Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, here with the only two twins that are live and in studio for the Thanksgiving holiday, Michael and Jason Petrop. Yeah. Thank you for always having the mic ready for your special guest. It's um, it's it's lovely. It's not as it's cool. not as funny if you call yeah. yourself the special. It's not guest. funny. Are you trying to are you trying to reverse psychology this joke? Exactly. Nah, it's not gonna work. I say it and it goes away. It's not gonna work, lawman. I'm, I'm like genuinely a little angry right now from that response by Jason. He thinks because he's a lawman now he could just do whatever he wants. You ain't the lawman. You ain't the lawman. You're just a lawman. Just a special guest. <laughs> special guest lawman. <laughs> I'm not gonna call you Jason. I'm gonna call you lawman. Let's not do this. <laughs> yeah, backfired, mother f- freak. That's right. I hope what doesn't happen is that your decisions backfire on you this week. And the pretty good way to guarantee that that doesn't happen is you're listening to this episode right now. So without any further ado, let's get it started. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Before we begin today, we want to remind you to visit Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy to get a bunch of extra perks, help out the show. You're going to want to be a patron all year long because there's episodes all year long. The patrons get extra shit all year long. On top of that, you're guaranteed a spot in our patrons leagues next year. Guaranteed. And that's a guarantee. So make sure you're signed up. Make sure you stay signed up. Also, BrotoFantasy.com or BrotoFF.com as long as we own both domains. You know what I'm saying? We do own both domains. Yeah, but one's <laughs> going to expire eventually. But for right now, we're getting it. <laughs> Is it? Or we're going to keep both? We're going to keep it. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll keep both. Fine, both. BrotoFantasy and BrotoFF.com. Go there for our true value formulas, our weekly rankings. That will be up immediately after the show. Well, not immediately, but like immediately when you're done listening to it because we'll have it up at least an hour after the show. I mean, they go up like we finish recording and I just upload it and that's it. So it's like 12 minutes after. And, you know. And depending on the editing that's needed, but... We actually do pretty well without having to stop this audio, I think. Like 98% of what we do is just straight through. There's a lot less cuts than you would think, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they just don't really think that there are any cuts. We we usually just cut out Jason's voice. Yeah. Sometimes when Jason just says something really annoying, like, nope, not today. Nope. (laughs) See ya. Nah, but uh, last week we edited one spot where I, I said... Someone really, really, and then I, I lost my train of thought mid-sentence, so I stopped it, and then it went to Mitch Trubisky. I said, really, really. <laughs> but it sounds like that wasn't was, even a cut. Sounds really smooth. I think it's that was on the review it. episode, actually. Was it? I was listening to that today. I was listening. It was the Thanksgiving episode. Jason, to uh, Jason yeah, today. Um, you know, Thanksgiving, my dad went shopping today. We're having it at the Patrop household this year. My dad's a um, chef. So he went shopping, and he brought home like a bunch of stuff from Costco. So me and Jason... Or outside, and Jason, like, helping him bring in all the groceries, and Jason just goes, I had no idea ham was just pork cooked twice. Yeah. Which is what we discussed on the review episode. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like, it's weird. I never thought about it. Makes sense. Not to think about it. But, like, what type of pork is it? It's the, it's the butt. Oh. It's the booty. And you could have pork butt that's not ham? Isn't the butt bacon? So. Oh, the butt's, yeah, you're right, the butt's bacon. 
I'm looking it up. <laughs> All right, well, we try to check out what ham is. We're also going to try and check out who's going to go ham this Sunday. And the first game we're going to start with is Titans at Colts in this divisional matchup with a bunch of playoff implications. So both teams are going to be playing their darndest. Um, let's start with the Titans and a guy who true throw value has recognized as a good quarterback in the past. We have recognized as a underrated quarterback in the past and who is playing right now better than anyone except Lamar Jackson in terms of fantasy. So put those all together, and Ryan Tannehill seems like a pretty pretty attractive offense against a Colts defense that's not, you know, nothing special, but also not bad. Yeah, I mean, as you said, he's been a true throw value darling, and it seemed like we thought it was the Adam Gase offense. Turns out it's just Ryan Tannehill. He's an efficient player. And when we're looking, for example, at the guy across from him, Jacoby Brissett, who I've been stressing is not a very good quarterback, uh, Ryan Tannehill has clearly jumped him in quarterback rankings, and I think that he's a decent QB1 this week and probably moving forward. I mean, he just does so much with so little. Even last week, he only completed 14 passes, 32 points. Completed 13 passes against the Chiefs, 19 points. Like He just knows how to get it done. And with an upcoming schedule of Indy, Oakland, Houston, New Orleans, and Houston again. Well, Houston's week 17, the last Houston. Right, right. So Indy, Oakland, Houston, and New Orleans. That's a solid way to end the season. Yeah, I agree. Evans my QB seven this week. Way higher than the expert consensus ranking of QB eighteen. Which I don't understand. Seven, you like it. Going out on a limb there. Well, if you think it's gonna be QB seven, and he is a runner, so he might run it in, but if you're banking on him running in for two more more touchdowns, you're probably banking in the wrong spot. So that means he's gonna have to throw a touchdown to someone. AJ yeah. Brown is a guy who had a great game against the Jaguars last week. His second such blow-up game of 20 or more points on the season. And he's been more consistent recently. Since week 7, this is half-point PPR, 9.2 points, 8.1 points, 10.1 points, 2.2 points. But then after the bye, 23.5 points. Is this a trend that you can, that you can keep following? Or is A.J. Brown still a guy who could bust with a 0.9? Yeah, I like A.J. Brown as a wide receiver 3 flex option this week just because... As you pointed out, he's had a couple boom games, so he does have that in his repertoire. And he also, since week seven against the Chargers, he put up nine in half PPR, nine, eight, ten, two, and 22. So besides the two against KC, and KC's outside corners have actually, they've been very good actually against opposing wide receivers this year. He's been a very solid option for four of the last five weeks now, and then the bye week in between. And like Jason said, Ryan Tannehill is a super efficient quarterback. Uh, he hasn't had to throw much the last two weeks because they've been playing so well as a unit and running the ball so much. But he's he's been making the most of those pass attempts, and A.J. Brown has been making the most of his targets. Against Indy, we always say Indy likes to play a conservative zone defense to not try to give up any long balls. But all you got to do is try to get behind them once or twice, and Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins did it multiple times last week. So if and AJ Brown is a, a very good athlete. So in a in a league where our main league where I need to win and beat my opponent by twenty two points, I'm highly considering starting AJ Brown over Terry McLaurin just for upside. Um, what about any other pass catcher in this offense? Um, Jonah Smith got mauled on what should have been a touchdown, but it was on a double reverse. So Derrick Henry threw it. So it's not like Ryan Tannehill is targeting him. Besides that, didn't see a target. Um, Corey Davis, three targets. 
Um, IR for Delaney Walker. So, like, what what do we expect? Do we expect anyone else in this offense to move the ball besides when we get to the running backs? I don't think you can expect that at all. This offense yeah. has really been Derrick Henry pounding it down people's throats, Ryan Tannehill uh, using his own legs or hitting um, A.J. Brown or maybe even Adam Humphreys every once in a while. It's it's very interesting to see how the pass catchers are doing and then to see how Ryan Tannehill's doing because it just doesn't add up. Uh, and it has a lot to do with Ryan Tannehill using his legs. There's no one you could trust besides A.J. Brown. If you have Derrick Henry on your team, your team has probably seen a resurgence in the past few weeks because he's put up 23.4, 34.1, and 30 points against three good matchups. Glorious. But the last time he had a bad matchup, he kind of shit the bed, and this is a, a worse matchup. Indianapolis has only allowed t- the 26 most points to fantasy running backs this season. So with that being said... Do you think Derrick Henry continues his beast show? I mean, at this point, you I mean, you just put Derrick Henry in your RB slot and get excited because he's been so ridiculously consistent, especially of late. Yes, it's a it's not a great matchup for Henry. But I mean, last time he went against Indy earlier in the year, he he ran 15 times for 82 yards and he's been getting more carries than that of late with a TD. With and and yeah, and he scored a touchdown Caught in two that balls. game. He did catch two passes, but that the the receptions are more random when it comes to Derrick Henry. He'll catch one to two a game, really. But yeah, so um, I like his prospects here against Indy. If he doesn't find the end zone, he might have a more disappointing game. But he's coming off back to back to back games with two touchdowns each, so it's it's been great for Derrick Henry owners. On the other side of the coin, if you are a Ty Hilton owner, and you thought that all right, he had a limited snap count last week. So he shit the bed, but you kind of expected it. This week, he's not even a full participant in practice, limited to practice. And he says that he's not 100%. He says that I had no explosion. And he's not feeling good about it. And all of a sudden, there's talks that he might miss the game. Um, If you are a T.Y. Hilton owner, is he a must start? No. Mm. I I I don't see how you can say he's a must start at this point. T.Y. Hilton has hit case-by-case basis status. Uh, really depends on your other options on the team. Uh, I'm pretty sure Michael referenced it on the review episode. He just hasn't been good um, when he's been on the field. He's probably been dealing with injuries while on the field. But since week one, he hasn't passed 13 points. This isn't the guy you drafted. This isn't the guy you hoped for. A lot of this has to do with the fact that Jacoby Brissett's throwing him the ball. He's no Andrew Luck. He is no Andrew Luck. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's 23rd in true target value, so... He should be performing a tad better, but not much better than he's That's been about doing. where I think you should rank. So he's T-Y. essentially a wide receiver three, and you could definitely take him out of your lineup if you have better options. Tennessee's a tough matchup. And there are a lot of options this week. First week since week three with no bye weeks. Hot damn. That's a lot of a whole lot of options going around these parts. It's nice to uh, get back into no uh, bye week territory because when you do your rankings, it just seems right when you place the names where they go. Yeah, right. It's nice. No. Like the weeks with no. all the bye weeks, and you're placing no. some bums at like no, 15. You're like, what is going on? Especially if you got like got some guys that are healthier than they have been, and you got them back in your lineup. It's nice to see. Yep. Like, oh, this is the lineup I was supposed to play. Totally. Totally. Totally right. Totally. Um, the fuck, are you guys doing? <laughs> 
Totally, totally red, man. Stop. Uh, totally. <laughs> we, we're, not, look, we're not looking at any other pass-catching options besides maybe Jack Doyle here. What do you think about Jack Doyle now that Eric Ebron's out? We, we oftentimes have said, and I'm going to ask this to you, Jason. We oftentimes have said, if Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron are the same guy, then we want that guy. Do we want that guy now? Potentially, yeah. I mean, it's a tight end. There's nothing more intriguing than a tight end who might see more work because a tight end who sees work is someone you want to keep an eye on. And Eric Ebron is 14th in true target value this season, where Jack Doyle is 19th. So obviously, it hasn't been ideal for either of them. But if you take both of their numbers and assume that they're both going to get those targets, I'm sure it'd be somewhere in the 6 to 10 range. So what's, what's Jack Doyle's projected score with 10 targets? I know 10's a lot. Uh, if you expect me to do that off the top of my head, sir, you're going to have to get back to me. <laughs> All right. I thought it was a lot simpler of a process. I'm obviously too stupid to understand this. But while Jason <laughs> figures that out, Michael, why don't you talk about Ebron and not only that, any other pass-catching option that you may... Oh, well, the loss of Ebron sucks for... I'm sorry, uh, Doyle. Uh, the loss of Ebron sucks for Brissett in the red zone, which is where he's thrown a lot of his touchdowns. The Colts are the most pass-heavy red zone team in the league, believe it or not, for a team that runs so often. So that it does hurt uh, Jacoby Brissett's status. Well, he's been trending down for weeks now, though. Like, you can't trust him as a QB1. Jason has said it all year. He thought it was hilarious that people were trusting Jacoby Brissett, and he, he nailed it. But, yeah, I mean, Jack Doyle, with the way the tight end landscape is, he's certainly at least a streaming option because getting his snaps and likely Ebron's snaps, Mo Ali Cox's snaps should increase, but it's not like he's going to take Eric Ebron's role. So Jack Doyle is going to be, like, the main tight end there now. What about Jonathan Williams? Jonathan Williams... Ever since taking over, has gone over 100 yards on the ground. Last week, added a rushing TD to that reservoir. Resume, I mean. <laughs> and reservoir. Reservoir? reservoir of rushing, flowing waters of TDs. This is blowing my mind, man. But, yeah, I mean, what do you, how do you feel about Jonathan Williams here? So, let me hop in. Um, if we were to assume that Jack Doyle was going to see all of Doyle and Ebron's targets per game, that would be a projection of 12 half PPR points. That's too shabby. Up, which would um, put him around the range of Ingram, Arts, and Kittle. Sign me up. Not too shabby. Very interesting. Again, we're assuming he's going to see that many targets. Assuming though. assuming that he sees all of Ebron's targets. Very interesting. So if you, if you go by... So what is that like... It, if he gets two less targets, it's like... Now you're in like looking at the 8 to 10 point range. Uh, probably. Hmm. Even something I might be interested in anyway. A definite tight end one yeah. is likely the outcome. Jason, I love your stat. I love you. <laughs> um, what do you think about Jonathan Williams, Michael? Just uh, coming that. off back-to-back 100-yard games, which is quite glorious. Um, getting glorious. A, a ton of work. I don't need to go into that rampage again about the indie offense last week against Houston because I don't feel like getting angry right now. But, I mean, they're going up against Jacksonville, who has been a solid front so far this year they did I mean not uh I said Jacksonville going up against Tennessee I said Jacksonville because Leonard Fournette just ran for two touchdowns against Jacksonville but those are both goal line touchdowns and he was bottled up for a good majority of the day but I mean it's not a great matchup it's not a terrible matchup if Jordan Wilkins is healthier he might steal some work uh Naheem Hines stole nine carries and got some passing work so Jonathan Williams although he is still expected to get the bulk of the carries is still a bit touchdown dependent in my opinion um so I, I think he's more of a low-end RB2 option, but definitely if you pick him up, you're happy about having him. Jason? I agree with the idea that he's a little bit touchdown dependent. Uh, 
the Tennessee defense has always been pretty good against the run under Mike Vrabel. They've allowed um, eight RB2s or better this season. We're now heading into week 13. So it's not the toughest offense, but defense, but it's also not the best. So I'm sure that he's going to need to find the end zone in order to be someone you're super happy about starting. I, I don't know if he's going to see another 100-yard performance. They already stymied Marlon Mack earlier in the year. Let's go to the matchup of the week that everyone's going to be wanting to watch in terms of like a real football game, and that's the 49ers at the Ravens. You just – oh, forget it. I was going to say you skipped Tennessee. I'm bugging. We no, spoke we about Tennessee, Tennessee. first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael go ahead. Pulling, sorry. Michael pulling a classic, Timmy. Yeah, so, I don't know. And it's only the second game. <laughs> I'm already in Thanksgiving mode, just trying to chill. Target, 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 target. 49ers am, at Ravens. Am, I am, I am, I am. 49ers at Ravens, target, people. Target, Shut target, your target, fucking target. faces. I think the biggest question in this game is... This needs to be flexed into Sunday or Monday night, man. It might. I'm so upset that it's a 1 p.m. game. Sorry for cutting you off. This brings up the question, though, because it does bring up the question. Can Lamar Jackson do Lamar Jackson things against this defense? Ab so Absolutely. I'm putting Lamar Jackson as my QB1, and I'm not looking back. You want to know why? Who's the most similar player to Lamar, to Lamar Jackson in the NFL right now? Right now? Right now. A lot less drastic, but Kyler Murray. No? Yeah, Kyler Murray. I'll say Josh Allen is up there. By, He's like, put up. Maybe Kyler Dak, Murray Dak has faced San Fran twice in the last three weeks and put up 23 and 27 fantasy mm-hmm. points. Okay, so I see what you're saying. Like It's like similar type of style. He's combined for 101 rushing yards in those games. He's using his legs. That's That's the only thing that apparently seems to be slowing down the San Francisco defense a bit because Arizona has actually been successful against them this season as an offense. So sign me up for Lamar Jackson against San Fran. Jason, where, where, do you, where do you fall on this matter? I concur. Lamar Jackson has the most fantasy points for a quarterback ever right now. <laughs> most fantasy points ever, ever, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Ever. Yeah. Just ever. Ever, ever. And really, really. Why would you sit him? So, come on. That's you it. definitely don't sit him. Fair enough. Definitely. No. But I'm just saying. I mean, I see some people on Twitter like, is it really crazy to see Lamar Jackson for Ryan Tannehill this week? Like, yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Guy. Someone said I'm starring <laughs> Sam Darnold over Lamar Jackson. I was like, you're an idiot, but okay. And yeah. I like Sam Darnold this week. Yeah, me too. I like him a lot. I don't like him as much as Lamar Jackson because he's Lamar Jackson. So if you think Lamar Jackson's going to have some success. And I, and I also saw someone sitting DeAndre Hopkins for Darius Geis and said, you have to stick to your gut. You can't always just trust the history. I was like, okay, good plan. It's <laughs> the worst thing I've ever heard. This, um, is, this is why we try to get through to you guys to get you actual good advice. Yes. And don't start Darius guys over DeAndre Hopkins in week 13. Too many too many fakers out there, guys. I don't care if it's Stefan Gilmore. It's also DeAndre Hopkins. Jeez Louise. And if you're going to be that guy that goes down because you started, you said DeAndre Hopkins. No, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Who wants to be that guy? <laughs> um... What about his passing options? We saw Hollywood Brown, two touchdowns. He got back in the action last week. Mark Andrews had a quiet game, but still being targeted at the highest rate of anyone in that passing offense. The running game is really what shined last week. Um, even when, when Gus Edwards was in the game, he was rip, ripping off big chunks against the Rams. Justice Hill had a few good ones against the Rams. Um, Mark Ingram was on fire both in the pass-catching game and on the ground. Lamar Jackson did whatever he wanted with his legs. And you had the two passing touchdowns. to, And he found he also found Seth Roberts. He also found Boykin. So with that being said, if you're a Mark Andrews owner, how are you feeling this week? And if you're a Hollywood Brown owner, is he worth a start against a very good defense? 
You know, we've seen our fair share of games where Lamar Jackson kills it and his pass catchers don't really. Yep. Um, you got to rely on efficiency with Lamar Jackson because he's not going to be the person who throws 40 times a game. So Mark Andrews typically does it on a few targets. I think I said a couple weeks ago he only played like 12 snaps and still caught a touchdown. And when you're facing a defense like San Francisco, it becomes a lot harder to do that. Marquise Brown, his seven targets last week was the most he's seen in a long time. Before that, his high was 5-4-4-4. So we're looking for efficiency here. And against San Francisco, it's hard to do, especially if it's going to be a run-based approach, which would probably be smart. So uh, these guys are not must-starts by any means. I agree. I mean, I mean, if you have Mark Andrews, he's very Mark likely Andrews must start. Mark Andrews because he's a tight end. Is a yeah, I think Marquise Brown is more in low end wide receiver three flex territory because he's definitely a very big boom bust option. Yeah, high upside. Yeah, de- definitely a boom bust option because he can do what he did last week, right? Like just he, all he needs is a couple uh, opportunities. But then I wouldn't be surprised if eight receptions just go to Seth Roberts, Nick Boyle, and Willie Sneed. You can't start Gus Edwards. So. No. With that being said, there's only one running back available here, and that's Mark Ingram. How do you feel about him against a very good run defense? Yeah, this the best um, run defense. Pretty damn worried about if I'm a Mark Ingram owner because last week Mark Ingram finally had a great game again. Uh, he hasn't had really that huge fantasy game in a while. It finally came again last week. Well, actually, Houston is because he's put back to back weeks two touchdowns apiece, right? Like, but that's what's been booing Mark Ingram the entire season. Like, when he doesn't score a touchdown, he puts up very mediocre numbers, which is most players. But, like, he doesn't get a lot of pass-catching work either, which is why he really does need a touchdown to be, like, a super successful player for that week. And I don't know if he's going to find the end zone this week against San Fran because, like you said, their rush defense has been super dynamic, and I think they're going to— they just lost their center. I'm blanking on his name for the season, so that hurts their offensive line. Because even if uh, Skuma or something, I think his name is, I'm blanking on his name. Because even if they uh, they end up uh, becoming a solid offensive line, anyways, it's definitely going to be rough in the beginning. In the beginning, I believe, just to get acquainted with the new center in there. But I think it's just going to be a lot more of a Lamar Jackson options and quick passes and things of that sort this game, and maybe even some Justice Hill screens and things of that sort. So. I am a little wary of Mark Ingram this week. Uh, Matt Skura. Matt Skura, there you go. Um, let's go. Let's stay in the backfield, and let's go to the San Francisco backfield. Matt Breida got back into practice today. That robot. Um, so he actually <laughs> missed a game last week. Uh, he missed two games in a row now, and not for nothing. I feel like Tevin Coleman benefits from the presence of Matt Breida. I think they do different things, and they play off each other well. Je- Jeff Wilson is more of a Tevin Coleman like he's just Tevin Coleman. Like he is Tevin Coleman. So he doesn't play though. I'm sorry, not not Jeff Wilson. Or he Moster. Or he Moster. Like he's cause he's just kinda the same kind of back. I feel he's like he's not they, he's not the breeder type back that spells and gives a different look. So I think that could be good news for Tevin Coleman that Breeda's back. If you're a Breeda owner, can you play him? And if you're a Tevin Coleman owner, what's your outlook against this Ravens defense? It's been locked down the last few weeks. Uh, I'm gonna disagree a little bit. I mean I just don't see much of a difference between Breeda and Mostert except for that Breida's the better runner, but I don't think that affects Tevin Coleman too much. He's still going to get the bulk of the carries and just be spelled every now and again. He's still disappointed a lot recently. Luckily, he found the end zone last week. Uh, Matt Breida, on the other hand, as the second string running back in San Francisco, there's always a chance you find the end zone. Against Baltimore, though, last can't week, trust him. My girlfriend needed a replacement running back at like 
12 o'clock, and I was like, just pick up Raheem Mostert, and he ended up scoring a touchdown. I got hyped. Uh, so there's always a chance of that with a backup 49ers running back. Uh, I just don't see it here. With no bye weeks, it's tough to say you, you should start Matt Breida. Even Tevin Coleman, man, he's he's been trending down. He hasn't seen more than 12 carries since week seven. Like, he's still the lead guy there, but it's even in his past game role, uh, f- five of the last seven games, he's only had two receptions. So it's like it's you still want to trust him, but his besides that four touchdown games, he's pre- been pretty damn disappointing. So I think he's more a low-end RB2 this week. Debo Samuel is back at practice, limited Wednesday. He's been, he's been on, but you saw with the return of Emmanuel Sanders, his role diminished last week again. Only two targets after weeks where he was seeing 10 targets, 11 targets. Well, they also didn't need targets. to pass a bunch. They destroyed the Packers. That's true. Tours, that, that has nothing to do with it. 50 yards and a touchdown, even though. So you didn't shit your team. This is now five, four of the last five weeks he's been fantasy viable. Wide receiver two or better. Yeah. It's a tough matchup here against Baltimore, though, with Humphrey and Peters. They, they've been... Peters since Peters been got balling. there, yeah. Since Peters got there, that's basically been the best secondary or maybe even the best defense in the league. You see him getting Ram- Ramsey's face after the game? Yeah. That was a nice pick he made at the end of the game. He he faked out Jared Goff hard. Yeah. Hard. That's what he does. He he's was a ball disrespected hawk. He's, out there, man. He's always been one of the most interception. Uh, he's always been one of the most uh, interception prone defensive backs. He always yeah. gets in front of the ball. But yeah, it's a tough matchup for both of them. Emmanuel Sanders, man. Just if he's healthy, let him play. If not, let him sit. Like he played seventy percent of the snaps last week, and I guess it's because they had a lead. But he only went one for fifteen. That's three straight games now of him not really doing anything. But it also aligns with him getting hurt. It's so just, it's pretty frustrating as Emmanuel Sanders' owner. So I don't see how you could trust him as anything more than like a flex at this point. This is straight-up anchoring bias again. The first game we saw with him on the Cardinals, he put up 112 and a touchdown. And since First then, game on the Niners. On the Niners, yeah, against the Cardinals. And since then, people want him to be that wide receiver, too, that they could throw out every week. And now he's put up 2-3-2. Two, and two, And at a point, you need to forget that first game. Because if he put up 2-3-2-17... Two, Expectations would be very tempered right that's, now. That's a really good point. Um, so at this point, I'm not starting Emmanuel. And George Kittle's a stud and a half. I don't care that he's playing Baltimore. You start George Kittle. Simple as that. He came out. He came back on the on the scene with a bang last week. Yes, he did. I had to put on the music for that one. You know. Oh yeah. I'm actually pulling up Jimmy Garoppolo's stats and, yo, I know it's the 21st century and shit, but why does it video have to start playing every time I'm on a goddamn website? Everything. What the fuck? Yeah. Every time. It's also like, yo, that could, that probably gets people fired. Like, if you're at work and you're like, oh, let me just check something for fantasy real quick, and a thing pops up, Jimmy Garoppolo this week, and, and your some boss is you near you. you can't find the X button. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're like, you knew where it was your whole life, and you can't find the, it. The, the, that that's the bad. The secret is, always have your phone on silent. Yeah, I do. And that's what I Timmy do. apparently never does, because Timmy's phone is always just going off. And he's just like, I put it on mute. You yeah, I'm sure you did. It, is that... It says silent mode on right now. No, you got to put it all the way down, too. You put the volume down, idiot. You put it to silent mode, and then you put the volume down. Because you're an idiot. I don't even have vibration on my phone. My phone is literally silent at all times. You're a dick. You're a weirdo. I can't stand You're a little strange. For some reason, I'm really good at, like, just pulling my phone out of my pocket when someone's calling me without knowing. It's the most stupid thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Wait, when someone calls you, doesn't even vibrate? No. No. You're a weirdo. He picks up my phone at an impressive rate, so <laughs> considering. 
That's what I'm saying. Like you pick up my phone calls at an impressive rate. I mean, if you see it next to you and then you see a name pop up with a call no, or whatever. There's a lot but... of times I pull my phone out of my pocket. I'm like, oh, Tim's calling. Yo. <laughs> it's crazy. That's not that's not okay. That's weird. You gotta go to the doctor. But yeah, don't start Jimmy Garoppolo. What I mean, he he's been playing well. The last few weeks he's been Baltimore uh, the last has two been weeks. Shut two down. the last three weeks. Baltimore, Baltimore has, been has been shut, shut down. down for weeks. So Yeah. So he did to the Rams offense last yeah. week. Shut down, shut down, shut They haven't down. allowed two passing touchdowns in a game for two months. Just don't don't play Jimmy Garoppolo, please. All right, let's go over to our next game. J E T E. The Jets are back, baby. What? Why'd you spell Jeet? Yo, you guys. You really never listened to me when I was on a podcast, ever, besides this one. Fuck you guys. No. We, I, I'm sorry. The OGs no. I wasn't the biggest listener of VM just because I've never been a big podcast guy. Paul, uh, I've recently got into podcasts a lot. Like in Tony, the past Tony year. Richardson, when he announced one of our draft picks, he came up and he said oh, J E T E. Yeah. Right. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. So Bless on Austin. So it's a running joke. Bless Austin. That's all I got to say. <laughs> um, let's start with the Jets. Bless on Austin's Bless team. Uh, look, I've said this a lot. Sam Darnold is a very playable quarterback in these matchups, and he's playing the team that's given up the fourth most points to quarterbacks. Um, this is a no-brain starter. I'm starting him over Josh Allen in one of my leagues personally. Uh, Josh Allen's been very good to me, but I'm starting Sammy. Uh, what do you guys think about Sam Darnold this week? Start him. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. I agree. Um he's been great for weeks now. I'm just I've just been waiting as just because like I'm we're Jets fans, so we're used to the the pain. So we've just kind of been waiting for him to be bad again. And it hasn't happened and it's been glorious. Cincinnati is a bad pass defense. They're bad defense overall. I'm a little upset they got Andy Dalton back because that gives them a better shot at actually playing well against the Jets. But yeah, uh, if you're not playing Sam Darnold, I don't know what to tell you. If you if you're streaming a QB and Sam Darnold's still there, he's the clear and obvious play. I what think that might even help Sam Darnold. Um, under with Andy Dalton under center, they pass more, and they will probably be a little bit more competitive. So I think only positives can come out of Andy Dalton playing. Okay. Two weeks ago, it was Jameson Crowder. This week, it was Robbie Anderson. Are both of these guys playable against a, a Cincinnati pass defense? Who not for nothing. Um, it has held wide receivers to low fantasy numbers for the most part this year. Yeah, they've actually uh, not been absolutely terrible against the wide receivers. Um, but it's it's tough to trust Robbie Anderson again because that was his first good game in literally weeks. Like week three against or four against Dallas was the last time he had a similar game. But I mean, Jamison Crowder, I'm trusting this week as a wide receiver too. And Robbie Anderson, I think he's more of a boom-bust flex play again because he does have that floor of getting you two and a half points. But he also can catch a touchdown and make a big play as he did multiple times against the Raiders. But those two, again, uh, I'm okay with using. But the main guy out of nowhere is Ryan Griffin for Sam Darnold. I was going to ask about red him zone next. Too. So he's also a great streaming option at tight end. If you picked up Ryan Griffin and have been using him recently, super... Super lucked out because he's just been great, and I don't see why that ends today against Cincinnati. Well, this weekend against Cincinnati. Did you guys see his touchdown? He looked like he had no idea what to do. Yeah, yeah that was funny. It was really kind of like, oh, uh, wait, there's no I'm one next. Surrounded to me. by teammates. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's my analysis on Ryan Griffin. At this point, he's a must start every week. Wow, I have I have him starting in one of mine. 
in uh, one of and, mine. And one of, <laughs> and one of my leagues against me in one of my matchups. I have him starting in a league. Interesting. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. Dude just catches touchdown. And I know it's only been a short time, but Sam Darnold loves throwing to his tight end. Guys, I think this is Le'Veon Bell week finally. Hey. He's been solid. He's been solid. I think, look, you're talking about a Cincinnati defense who gets torn the F up. Torn the F up. Hardcore. Like, running back are gone for super big games against them. 4.7 yards per carry against them. Yeah, and Le'Veon, you know, he's been solid all year. A couple bad games, but he hasn't had that explosion game yet with two touchdowns or three touchdowns. I think this is the week. I mean, that's not the craziest thing you've ever said. He's getting yeah. consistent looks every week. Uh, last week he had 17 touches. Even when his rushes went down to 12, his receptions went up to 5, which is funny when you consider how like that game went. You wouldn't have thought that the 34-3 win was when Bell had less carries and more receptions. But football's funny sometimes. Um, and he's hitting every, double digits basically every week. A team that's giving up almost 5 yards per carry, someone who's going to get at least 15 rushes, I mean, it all adds up to be a good week, and I agree that he's likely to find the end zone, and if he finds it twice, it's going to be his blow-up week. Fair enough. Um, let's go over to the other side. Andy Dalton's back. and The thank, Red Rocket. Thank the good Lord Jesus. Um, the Jets have not been the same defense they have last week. I mean, I'm sorry, that they were in the beginning of the year when they had no type of offense whatsoever. They, well, they had the no one. bless Austin. We are the number one. They are the number one rush defense in the league. Bless on Austin has come on and play a very good cornerback. Jamal Adams has the most sacks. He's about to have the most sacks ever by safety. This is a secondary that's playing out of their minds. But with yeah. that being said, the slot receiver has given Jets trouble. I think Tyler Boyd could have a big game in this one, and I think Auden Tate has, has the ability to have a big game in this one. Uh, possibly, but even even Brian Poole has been tremendous of late. He's the, the number seven overall cornerback. This season, according to PFF, uh, out of this out of the slot, yeah, and even Mallette on the other side of Plus Austin is a top thirty cornerback so far. Dude, Greg like, out of Williams, nowhere, Greg they, Williams knows how to coach bad teams really well. Not a bad he team, really man. gets. I, I mean, look look at how much talent they're missing. That's true. Avery Williamson and CJ Mosley, Trey Johnson, Tremaine Johnson, Tremaine Johnson, and I know he sucks, but he was supposed to be your number one cornerback you know you're missing a lot you're missing three of your best starters you traded leonard williams mid he's supposed to be your first round guy you know and all of a sudden you got the defense playing out of their minds i mean they started bringing jamal williams into the box more and it's been a wrap but it blows my mind because dude they had nate hairston tremaine johnson and daryl roberts as like the three starting corners when the season started their pff rankings are 114 115 and 118 they got replaced, all of them, by Blesson Austin, Arthur Mollett, and Brian Poole. Blesson Austin's a second-ranked corner. Brian Poole's the eighth, and Mollett, I said top 30, he's 18. <laughs> Damn. And these, all, all these guys just came up like out of the fly just to take the jobs from the guys who were playing in front of them, and it's been great, which does not bode well for Tyler Boyd and company, but the Jets are still not like this super amazing team they've played bad competition they can get some space with tyler boyd they uh tyler boyd has shown that he could be very productive with andy dalton at qb it's obviously an upgrade besides ryan finley was one of the worst qbs on the football field so tyler boyd is certainly in wide receiver three consideration and Auden Tate 
has some uh, flex appeal too with the way he's been going this season when Andy Dalton's on their center. Yeah, I think Auden Tate is back into that flex wide receiver three category. Do you prefer Boyd or Tate this week? Boyd. Boyd is the higher upside. Tate's the safer guy, though. Interesting. I mean, he had between 7 and 12 every single game with Andy Dalton. Like, he was that guy you could just put into your flex and be consistent. And I don't see why that would change. I mean, assuming A.J. Green is out, which he'll likely be. Tate was seeing uh, around 9 targets per game, something of that sort, with Andy Dalton earlier in the week. I mean, earlier in the season, about 5 receptions per game. That'll get you a decent amount of fantasy points. So I'm I'm cool with Auden Tate again now that Dalton's back. Don't trust Tyler Eifert to that much. But, yeah. Uh, let's go on to our next game then. Well, also Joe Mixon. Oh, we forgot Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon is someone sure. I want no part of. I want, I'm, I'd sit him. Uh, that's not the worst idea ever. I have him in flex territory this week. Remember Uh-oh. when people loved him again like two days ago because he had a couple good games? Yeah, the Jets are the best run blocking. Excuse me the best team against the run in the league, like as Timmy said. So he's definitely more uh, more sittable this week than the last couple of weeks when he had better matchups. He's hospitable. Um, the Browns at the Steelers in the rematch of the helmet hit heard around the world. Uh, the Browns have been hot, 5-6. and six. The Steelers have not. Um, the Browns are a different team than they were earlier in the year. They're not turning the ball over as much. They're not letting the quarterback get sacked as much. So the Steelers' defense, if you're counting on them, if this isn't as good of a matchup as it was two weeks ago, but it's still a pretty good matchup. Um, the Browns are turnover prone, and they do give up sacks. The Steelers get turnovers and make sacks happen. Um, let's start with the Browns' offensive side. Juice Landry has been on fire. OBJ got in the action last week, scored a touchdown. How do you feel about those two wide receivers out in Cleveland? Yeah, Juice has been uh, hot as a mother clucker. As a hot chili. Yeah, and this Pittsburgh defense is... um, It's it's interesting because they've been slightly better. I mean, they were pretty very good for a while. They've been slightly worse now. Probably has to do with the fact that their offense sucks. We know that offense and defense... You know, if one side sucks, the other one's going to come down a little bit. So, it's really a... We don't really know what the Pittsburgh defense is, in my opinion, whether they're that dominant unit or whether under Devlin Hodges they're just going to be giving up possessions at their own 40, and no matter how good they are, Cleveland's going to score. And at this point, with how good Jarvis Landry's been, I'm not going to shy away from a matchup that seems tough on the surface. What about OBJ, who has not been good but has come along in the past few weeks? Do you trust him against Joe Hayden and company? Finally caught a touchdown last week. Hallelujah against Miami. Hallelujah. But again, that could have went to Jarvis Landry, and then it would have been a super disappointing game for OBJ. But yeah, I'm with Jason. Um, I'm slotting them both in as wide receiver twos this week. I I don't know about the huge upside, especially for Landry coming off that ginormous game. But ginormous. They should they should at least have decent floors this week. Live in the dark. Your guy, Baker Mayfield. Baker. Baker. You thought they were going to win 13 games and have the Baker's dozen, Jason. I just wanted to use that headline. <laughs> um, but he's been playing better as of late. I still can't trust him, though. Baker. Come on, say things about him. 17, 18, 22, 25 the last four weeks. It's just been an uphill climb, but of course he played Miami. Last time he played Pitt, 
he only threw for 193 passing yards, but he did throw for two touchdowns. He also had the rushing touchdown, with which boosted his stats a little bit. Um, going into Pittsburgh is a more difficult matchup as well, rather than playing at home in front of the Cleveland crowd. So I'm not super excited about Baker Mayfield this week. I have, I'm slightly higher on him than the expert consensus ranking, but that's because they have him at 22, which I think is a little crazy. Forecast also calls for showers. Yeah, so it's not it's not a tremendous matchup for Baker Mayfield, so I'm definitely shying away if I can. Michael? I mean, Jason? Yeah, I wouldn't start Baker Mayfield. There's no more buys, and there's a lot of decent matchups here this week. I mean, I have Matt Ryan at home against New Orleans at 14, so when that's the case... There's no reason to start Baker. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, both of them have been fantasy viable over the past couple of weeks. Uh, like we told you that was going to happen. And there's a lot of talking fantasy heads that said they were avoiding Nick Chubb because when Kareem Hunt gets back, he's going to be he's going to be useless. Well, I think that is completely ridiculous. We thought that was ridiculous. It has proven to be ridiculous. And as we predicted as well, there is also a role for Kareem Hunt. As I've been saying since the offseason, there's a lot of two back sets. And it seems to have really set this offense on a different trajectory. And Hunt has been good. Uh, Chubb has been good. Do you think both of them have the ability to be good in this game? Yeah. I think Chubb's a low-end RB1 option, and Hunt is a solid flex option. I mean, between 9 and 12 points every week since he's started playing for Cleveland. And he doesn't steal that much running work from Nick Chubb, but he does get some work, too, on the ground. He actually ran for a touchdown last week. And he also gets that pass-catching work, which... They should use more Chubb Hunt on the field sets, in my opinion. As should the Chargers. They should use more Melgo Eckler sets. But that's for another time. Jason? Uh, I think that anyone watching the NFL these days and seeing what Kareem Hunt has done, even though he got most of his work done in the on the ground last week, it's just absurd to not be using a running back as a receiver on almost every passing play. Uh, that's my thoughts. He's I mean, some teams got to keep him backfield. into block. Yeah, nah, fuck that. <laughs> Take it out quickly if you don't have time it's to hit someone downfield. Uh, and he's, they've both looked great. I think that there's definitely room for them both. Because even last week, when Kareem Hunt didn't have that many touches, he still found the end zone. So they're getting him the ball where it counts. Nick Chubb is still getting it when it counts as well. It's a good relationship for both of them. Let's move, move over to the Pittsburgh side. Unless Vance Refrigeration? No. I mean, he plays on Pittsburgh, dude. Oh, that's true. Uh, let's go. Let's, uh, how about David? If Njoku, Njoku plays, you can't trust him coming back off the IR after Agreed. like twelve weeks. All right, so let's go over to Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh, um, Duck Hodges going to Duck Hodges, man. Go! It's over. The go! Mason Rudolph experiment has expired. He is a bad quarterback. Um, he but does. so is Devlin Hodges. Yeah, but he I makes mean, one throw to James Washington, and people think he's like decent now. It's one more. Do throw you throw remember Mason Randolph, Randolph, the game? Randolph, blah, Rudolph. Made. Do you remember the game against the Chargers? He just he didn't throw it downfield once. He just threw it to Jamin Samuels like 13 times. So and he only completed 15 passes. So we don't know, though, if he can. Exactly. Last game he showed he can. Don't start any wide receivers, Juju's period. Back. Don't start Juju. That's done. And it's not certain if he's back yet. He's His knee is in a brace. So. Can, yeah, can they catch a long touchdown like James Washington did last week? Yes. That's also an option for better options out there. Like other players could also do that. Like A.J. Brown. I'd much rather play A.J. Brown over someone like James Washington this week. What about Juju? Same. I don't know how you could trust Juju either. I'm just with Devlin Hodges at QB 
against Cleveland, who's has a healthy secondary now. Just I'm not. I really don't want to trust any of them. So you're banking on the ground game being a big part of, of Pittsburgh's game. I think that's the only way they have a shot is if they contain the Cleveland offense, uh, so that they could keep it close and try to just run the ball over and over like they did with Benny Snell and Kenneth White last week. So that's that's what I expect from Pittsburgh is. If you believe in Devlin Hodges just because, oh, he's a cool nickname, Duck Hodges. Yeah, look at him. He threw a touchdown to James Washington. Hey, Duck Shane. It's just, that's, it's not a good, it's not a good plan. All right. Uh, that's all for that game. But before we do that, actually, Benny Snell is a name that we mentioned on the podcast as someone you can plug and play this week, and I think that's the case. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have any pass catching appeal, so he's going to be pretty touchdown dependent, but he is coming off a 21 touch game. I'm not a big believer in his skill set, but he could easily. Just slot right into your flex position this week is if James Conner is out. Jason, Don't trust Jalen Samuels. Yeah, are you done with Jalen Samuels, Jason? Adoy. Adoy. <laughs> Jason, a man of little words, but um but wise wise ones. Adoy. Adoy. Jason. Um Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go on to our next game. The Eagles at the Dolphins. The Eagles have been remarkably bad. Like they've been so bad. And I think remarkably. it was I forget. I don't know if it was Brian Baldinger or not who does the Baldy breakdowns, which are amazing. I don't know if it was him or I mean, someone if else. They're called Baldy breakdowns, probably him. No, I'm saying I don't know if he posted the video <laughs> or if it was someone else who posted the video that's NFL similar to the Baldy breakdowns. But they basically showed that the receiving core of the Eagles had one of the worst games of all time, like out of the wide receiver position. Like they were constantly just out of place running. Tell routes, missing blocks even on runs, and it was just a disaster for the receivers on that team. Well, you have Mac Hollins, J.J. Ortega Whiteside, Nelson Aguilar's not even playing. Elshon Jeffrey Elson not Jeffrey playing. was out. Jordan Howard was out. You got Miles Sanders. You got two rookies playing. You got Mac Hollins. Jordan Matthews just got cut. Got yeah, just cut a guy. That's not a recipe for success. But with that being said, Jordan Howard did practice today. Looks like he's going to be back. Um, bad news for Miles Sanders owners. Very bad news for Miles Sanders owners. Good for Jordan Howard owners. Good for Jordan yeah. Howard owners. Glorious I'm matchup. definitely starting him. How do you guys feel about this backfield? Hammer. Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. Uh, I have Miles Sanders, my RB19. That was assuming Jordan Howard's out. Me too, though. You could expect that. Wow. You could expect that to go way down if Jordan Howard returns because, in my opinion, Miles Sanders has not done anything to show that he should be the lead back over Jordan Howard. Over the last two games, 23 rushes, he's combined for 100 rushing yards. So, Ugh. nothing crazy. Uh, it was against New England and Seattle, so not the easiest matchups, but still. Jordan Howard has had a successful year, and their offense has operated better with Jordan Howard on the field running the ball. So, Jordan Howard would slot into uh, mid-to-low RB2 territory for me, and Miles Sanders would drop to flex appeal territory. Jason, you feel the same way? Yes. Uh, what Glorious about- matchup against Miami, though. What about this? these wide receivers? Uh, Algalor, full practice, so he'll be back. Yay. Um, Alshon Jeffrey uh, does not look like he's going to be back. Um, oh, no, I take that back. Alshon Jeffrey also practiced in full last week. So now you have two of your big wide receivers back. Today, not last week. I'm sorry, today. So with that being said, if both play, how does your outlook look for – Carson Wentz, and can you play either of them? You know, 
it's against the Eagles, so it's hard to say this. Against the Dolphins. Dolphins. Against the Dolphins, so it's hard to say this. But, like, why would you want to play these people? You don't want to play Alshon Jeffrey if he comes back against the Dolphins? I think they're desperate wide receiver threes. Alshon Jeffrey, for the last three years, it doesn't matter what the matchup is. He's going to give you seven or 14. So, I suppose you can do that and start him there as a wide receiver three. That's fine. Uh, I honestly would have been more excited about starting Nelson Aguilar if Alshon Jeffrey was out. Because even though he sucks and can't catch passes, he sees eight or nine targets every time he's a lead receiver. Another guy we talked about with with target uptick because of injuries was Zach Ertz. He was looking like Zachary. Zach Ertz of last year. Can you, if you were a guy that's like, yes, I finally got the Zach Ertz I signed up for, is he gone again with these guys back? I wouldn't say so. I mean, 11, 11, and 14 targets over the last three games. Over 91 or more yards in each game. A touchdown and two of the three. It's the Zach Ertz of last year. And honestly, Carson Wentz is only having success throwing to Zach Ertz. So I don't see why he would veer away from that, especially with the way the wide receivers are playing. I mean, each of the last two games, uh, excuse me, each of the last three games, he's seen double-digit targets. And each of those three games, there was only two targets that weren't caught. So it's been successful throwing to Zach Ertz, so I don't see why that would change this week. It would tick Dallas Goddard down a little bit, in my opinion, I think. But even Goddard has a chance to catch a touchdown against uh, Miami, and that's really the only way he becomes a super solid option. Otherwise, he's because his yardage isn't going to get you there. Even last week, he caught seven passes and only resulted in 32 yards. And he lost a fumble. Right when you got me to kind of join the dark side, he put up that dud. Yep. That, that <laughs> was rough. Tight end Goddard with... Jeffrey has been... Number two tight end. Stop calling him a backup tight end. He's not a backup tight end. I guess Aaron Hernandez was a backup tight end, huh? Ooh, yeah, Timmy just right. murdered you. That's, oh, <laughs> See what I did there? snap. That was a good one. <laughs> that was a nice combo. <laughs> <laughs> Jason is speechless. He has no return to form of what he once was. Jason, good night. Good night. Yeah, don't start uh, Carson Wentz either, <laughs> though. Even against Miami. What? Dude, are you serious? Dude, they get, Dude. they get their wide receivers back. They're playing against Miami. Like, if you can't start Car- Carson Wentz in this game, you can no longer start him. He should be on the waiver wire. Correct. If yeah, He should have been on the waiver wire months ago. Literally months. Since week seven, he's put up 8, 14, 15, bye week, 12, 11. Shit, it's been bad. That's disgusting. So, yes, I'm not trusting him against Miami. If he goes off, Good. He should against Miami, and then maybe you could trust him the next couple of weeks against the Giants in Washington. But until he shows any sign of being actually viable again, why would you start him on a week where there's no bye weeks? Yeah, if you have an open roster spot, he does play the Giants, Skins, and Dallas week 14 through 16. So you go wait and see with him this week to see if he's still good enough to take care to take advantage of bad competition. With his wide receivers back. Taking care of business. Yeah, but I still wouldn't start him this week either. There's too many options. There's no buys. Let's go over to the Dolphins side. Uh, Ryan Fitzmagic is not someone you're excited to start, but his weapons uh, probably are. Um, ever since Preston Wilson has gone down, even before him, Devontae Parker has Preston been... Preston Williams. Preston Williams, I'm sorry. Preston, Preston Wilson. Wilson. Yo, former Jeez, Met Louis great that FD helped Mills. get us Mike Piazza. Um, but with that being said, where was I? Preston Williams out. Devontae, Devontae Parker, Parker in. Listen, he's been he's been really consistent. We all know how good he's been. We all know that Eagles secondary is trash. You're starting Devontae Parker. I want to go to Alan Hearns. Agreed. I'm just a little confused as to why the, it's not like the Eagles they're healthy now in the secondary with Mills and Darby back, but it's not like these two are great cornerbacks to begin with. So I'm a little confused as to why their secondary has been so 
So much better. So, like, basically dominant the yeah. last few weeks. Yeah, I still... But I'm still... Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick's just going to sling it downfield all game, so I'm still super hyped about Devontae Parker if I'm a Devontae Parker owner. Yeah, I don't think anything changes with the... I still would think of their secondary as bad. Right? I don't care what they've done the last few weeks. I mean, recency bias also would have said that the Falcons would have dominated with their defense last week, and they got cooked. That is correct. I, I just want to give a quick shout-out to Alan Hearns. This guy got extended. He got six targets and then seven targets. Uh, four catches, extended. both games. Found the end zone last week. In He's, our big money league, Jason said to me, what about Alan Hearns? Because we were dealing with a lot of bye weeks and yeah. stuff. And I was like, no, dude. And it ended up working. Yeah. I mean, we didn't pick up Alan Hearns. but He's basically what Preston Williams was. He stepped right into that role. Wide receiver, four flex player. Not getting enough love. Nobody's talking about him. Hmm. Alan Hearns. Hmm. Former great of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Remember, they were the uh, the Allen brothers when Hearns Robinson and Hearns were both beasts. That was a crazy year. <laughs> um, Blake Bortles, Allen Robinson, and Allen Hearns running the league. Yeah. Yes. The times in they gar- change. Garbage time. Oh, <laughs> garbage time. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, <clears throat> the the running options? I know you guys are not Kalen Balaj fans. Um, I mean, if you're starting Balazs or Laird, you could get out of my evil Laird. Yeah, Laird is a guy that some fantasy experts were all over for some reason last week. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we discussed because, that on the review episode. Yeah. Fuck those guys. Fucking Evan Silva says one thing. He thinks he's clever. Everyone hops on. And then they all look like idiots, and nobody says anything because no one wants to call them out and because they all want to be touchy-touchy and... Oh, you're so smart. You're so good at fantasy. No, you're always you know the what? best. You know what pissed no. me off? Patrick Laird, kidding me? Come on. Because, dude, like, I, I respect the work Evan Silva puts in. Like, he puts in a ridiculous amount of work. But, like, we've discussed how he's become just, like, a huge douche. Like, it just, it's science. People have seen it. But, yo, he <laughs> tweeted last Wednesday. Yeah. This big is, this week 12 pickups. So this is an FFPC league, in a, in a main event league where his team did well. He was like, big week 12 pickup, Patrick Laird. And in the responses, he's like, yeah, I might have to start him to some people. And then after the game, he tweets, not on establish the run, talking about how someone was saying, all these people saying to get Patrick Laird. And I quote tweeted, I was like, dude, you literally, four days ago, it's not even like you deleted the tweet or something. You said he was your big week 12 pickup. What are you talking about? (laughs) Of course, he didn't respond. What? (laughs) Probably blocked you instead. No, no, he did block us because he didn't agree with something we said, and then he unblocked us when he created his site. That's how much of a douche he is. Yeah. And the fact that he named his site "Establish the Run," he named his site a an inside joke. It's one of the douchiest things of all time. Establish the Run is an inside joke. Yes, because he's all about running backs don't matter. So establish the run is a joke. He obviously doesn't think teams should establish the run. How much of a douche thing <laughs> is that? So it's like, it's wow. a joke. I like Adam Levitan. I like Adam Levitan too. He's not he's, a douche. Yeah, he's not a douche. Yeah, he's nice. But again, I mean, I respect the work he puts out, but he's become such a douche. Yeah. He douche blocked me. Douche. I'm still blocked. The point of all of this was <laughs> sometimes... Don't start Patrick Laird. Don't overthink it. And starting Patrick Laird is an overthink assumption. So don't let's, do that. Let's go to our last game of the docket on this first episode, and that's the Redskins at the Panthers. Mike Kosicki, though. You got to follow oh, the targets oh, sometimes. Sorry, Mike Kosicki. Yes, you're you right. You got to follow the targets sometimes Talk with the tight him, end bro. position. Talk so to him, bro. Talk to him. I think he's more a high-end tight end, too, this week. So someone to keep in mind if you're looking to stream. 
But that's about it for Mike Kosicki. All right. Um, let's go to the Redskins at the Panthers. I think this one has blowout written all over it. I think the Panthers got their groove back last week. I think that... I think Stella got a groove back. The Redskins are terrible. Uh, Josh Norman, healthy scratch last week. But the secondary had the most points of fantasy. So what does that tell you? I don't know. Um, I mean, I, Norman hasn't really been good. It's Dunbar who's been a stud. That's what I mean. They they deactivated him, and then all of a sudden the Redskins won a game. Yeah, interesting. Um, with that being said, the Panthers. Oh, and this would be a a revenge game for Norman too. Yeah, but I don't think he's, I don't. <laughs> why would he play? Yeah, I mean, Quentin Dunbar, Dunbar is the number one rated corner on PFF this year. Wow, not not easy to do. Yeah. All right, let's get into this game though. Um, DJ Moore going up against that number one corner, ninety five yards in four straight games for DJ Moore, his fifth in the league. Um, despite him being with a backup quarterback in his second year, it's safe to say, dude's a baller. Yeah. Uh, are you playing him this week against Quentin Dunbar? <laughs> Sometimes you got to frame your questions differently. <laughs> are you playing him this week against Quentin Dunbar? Well, he is uh, lined up against. All right, I'm just. You don't like the name Quentin Dunbar, but all right, how about this? Would you play him against the number one cornerback rated on PFF? If you told me that the rest of the team was garbage, besides that guy, yes. Like if we're looking at I, I mean, Gilmore fine. on the Patriots. Then it's completely different than Dunbar on the skins. Okay, talk to the people and tell them why. Well, it's also he's not going to be shadowed by Quentin Dunbar either. Quentin Dunbar doesn't tend to like shadow someone. He stays on his side. And Moreau, the other corner, isn't necessarily a difficult matchup. DJ Moore has seen at least eight targets every week since week five. Finally found the end zone that last week and he had a blow up game. Two touchdowns for him. Yeah. He's had he's been very consistent besides that. Once he finds the end zone, now people want to notice because there's something to notice. I've never been the biggest DJ Moore guy because I think that his ceiling isn't that high. And we've seen that all year. From week 1 to 11, he scored between 6 and 12. He's a a floor guy. So I don't want the expectations to get crazy. He scored two touchdowns last week. He did well. We still need to temper our expectations, but he's still number one receiver. We're seeing eight targets a game, and you have to start him. What about Curtis Samuel, who, after a few games where you were like, all right, Curtis Samuel is a startable asset, um, he ended up scoring over, he got 12, I mean, 21.8, and then the bye week, 6.6, 14.9, and 11.5 in half PPR format. So you're like, hey, this is a guy I could play. And then all of a sudden, 4.5, 5.4 in his last two games. Now, Washington isn't the best secondary, but they're not the worst. So with that being said, are you happy starting Curtis Samuel or even uh, taking a shot on Greg Olson this week? I'm not happy about it at all, honestly. Uh, I have him as my wide receiver 48, down from expert consensus at 39. We're talking about a guy seeing targets from Kyle Allen, and he's third in the pecking order behind at this point behind Olson and Moore. And like I said, Dunbar doesn't necessarily shadow, so he'll likely be lined up against Dunbar now and then as well. I just... I really don't see the upside here. He needs to find the end zone. I mean, every single time he scored double digits this year, he found the end zone. He he doesn't have a single double-digit half PPR game not finding the end zone. That's not someone I want to trust. I agree. You might as well call him a monopoly because he's antitrust. Oh, jeez, Louise. Holy moly. Holy moly. That was such I wanted to stop halfway, but I couldn't stop. You're you're such a lawyer now. It's a little funny. It was a little funny. Thank you. But Greg Olson Thank is like solid. Is <laughs> uh, Greg? Yeah, now Greg Olson, now it's hitting him. Now I got some fans. I mean, Greg Olson's kind of a solid play this week too. You know how much we hate playing Greg Olson. 
But, like, in the great matchups, he's actually been solid. And this is a pretty great matchup against Washington, against guys like Bostick and company. So, I mean, if you are if you own Greg Olson, you're likely starting him. Um, What about Kyle Allen? Any consideration? Up. Up. Even against the Redskins? Up. How many times do we have to say the Redskins' defense actually isn't that terrible? It's their offense that's terrible. I don't even want to talk about CMC. He's the best. He'll continue to be the best. Run, Christian, the run. The question is, will he score two touchdowns this week or three? One. Dos. And the Redskins only lose by two points. Let's go to let's go over to the Redskins side. Um, Dwayne Haskins got selfied up after the game uh, <laughs> last week. Uh, Terry McLaurin had an all right game. Honestly, when it comes to pass catchers, that's really the only one you could talk about on this Redskins team. Look, Dwayne Haskins, what bothered me about that selfie, like, if you're going to take a selfie with a fan and not finish out the game, at least you should have had a good game. He was awful. They won because Sims returned the kick and their defense dominated. Like, this dude completed 13 passes on 29 attempts, 156 yards, an interception, no touchdowns, a fumble. He had Terry McLaurin open a bunch of times, threw him the ball 12 times and only completed at 5 for 70 yards. Like, he was beating Darius Slay all day. Like, Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin's a stud. He needs a real quarterback. But, yeah, it was it was just rough to watch. So, yeah, I, Terry McLaurin at this point, he's at least been putting up a solid floor. Like, he has 6, 8, and 10 the last three weeks and a half PPR. But, like I said earlier, I might play A.J. Brown over Terry McLaurin in a game where I need to win by 22 points to make the playoffs just because I think the upside is higher there. So, I mean, James Bradbury's going to be lined up against McLaurin. Bradbury's not the best cornerback in the league, but he's certainly solid. Like, he, he's no, uh, he's not, like, the easiest matchup in the world. So, it's just with Dwayne Haskins there, I, I just really wish Case Keenum was still the quarterback. Peterson and Darius guys split exactly the same amount of carries. Neither of them were effective. Peterson 10 for 27, guys 10 for 32. But this is a Panthers defense where we have talked about this before. They're great at rushing the passer, but they cannot stop the run for shit. So if you are in a situation where you need to play uh, a running back and one of these guys is available, do you like guys? Do you like Peterson? Do you like neither? Do you like both? Guys, obviously, in my opinion. But I don't like any of them. Yeah, that's the answer. It's Geis. But what's Geis going to get you? He had a 50-yard screen touchdown, and it's good to see, you know? He's had a lot of injuries in his career. So, so let's talk but about he has this. 17 carries for 56 yards in his career. So let's talk about this game, right? Not as clear as the last two weeks. You two have weeks. one spot. You have to start one guy. McLaren, Geis, Samuel. McLaren easily for me. Curtis? Curtis. Uh, Samuel. Yuck. Yuck is right. Totally yuck. Mm. It's uh, it's very interesting. Alan Hearns. Very, very <laughs> interesting. Um, anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? All right. That'll do it for our first episode. Uh, don't forget to follow us at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter. Patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy. Check out the F- Thanksgiving episode if you haven't yet. Facts. BrotoFF.com. Um, BrotoFantasy.com. Uh, Red Cup News on Instagram. Thrive Fantasy. The Thrive Fantasy app. Put in your first deposit. 
of $10 or more and receive a free $10 if you use our promo code BROTO. That's B-R-O-T-O. It is a daily fantasy tight where you bet on props. Yeah. At the end of the next episode, don't forget to stick around for the Thrive 5 where we give you Jason's favorite plays and then me and Michael say whether he's an idiot or not. That's right. Michael last week won on Thrive just by betting the under on all the Rams on Thursday night. I mean, I tweeted, uh, I have a feeling the Ravens D is going to score and hold the Rams to single digits. They didn't score, but they held the Rams single digits. So I just, I just went to the Rams under, 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 and it worked. Bam, bam. There you go. Just like that. Uh, stay tuned for our next episode. We're coming at you whenever you want to play us. Plus play, please. Yep. Later. Later.